We are back at it. So is Mike Gundy. He's back in Stillwater. Uh, this is the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Kyle Porter. Kyle, the uh, the blog got a little boost in traffic, and uh, Mike Gundy did not get a boost in salary, but he's staying in Stillwater. Just uh, last time we spoke, we weren't sure if he was staying, but he is. Just your initial thoughts. Yeah, I felt <laughs> after we talked, I. I don't know how great I felt about that 5% number that I gave you where I said there was a 5% chance that he was leaving. But then in retrospect, I felt better about it because it, it didn't feel like it was, um, I don't know. It, it didn't feel like it was super close. Um, I don't know. I, I, did, did you, did you feel like, did you ever feel like, wow, he's, he's going to go. Or, or when you saw the, when you saw the 42 million number, were you surprised maybe that, that he didn't? Um, yes and no. I mean, I, I thought they would offer him a huge contract, but I mean, when you actually see it in writing that he was going to be paid like top three, top four money, that's pretty startling. And that's, that's hard to turn down no matter what the scenario is. I just, and I do think he was considering it. I just, I think it, there's just, there were, as I laid out on the last podcast, you combine his family with the job that he has, I thought Bill Haston wrote a really good piece on it, like minutes before it came out, minutes before Gundy had made his decision. Uh, you know, Mike Gundy, we've, we've seen it every season, Kyle, especially when they lose. Like, Gundy loses like a ton of weight during the season because he's so stressed. <laughs> he's so stressed out. He would have looked like uh, Christian Bale and the Machinist if he had gone to, to SEC country and had to deal with that boiling pot so I don't think he ever really wanted to leave and the more I hear the more I talk to people the more I kind of think about it I think he contacted Tennessee because think about it like would Tennessee really come back to Mike Gundy after they, they tried to hire Greg Schiano? wouldn't you call Mike Gundy before Greg Schiano? you absolutely would and yeah uh you know they, they've already talked to him they, they talked to him back in 2012 now I know it's a different athletic director but I think Tennessee and most schools in the country view Mike Gundy as an alum that, that wouldn't be leaving unless he contacts you and says he's very interested. Then then you talk to him. Uh, I don't think it was a coincidence Pat Jones threw his name out for the Florida job on the radio the day before. It's clear to me he wanted his name out there. He wanted people talking about him. And he wanted to make headlines. Well, mission accomplished. And I, I think that was part of it. And I think the other part, is, which I touched on in the last podcast, was I think there's a still a hierarchy struggle with him and Mike Holder. I really do. Yeah. And I think I think Chad Weiberg, uh, if we do a toast, he might be getting my toast because from what I've <laughs> from what I've heard, he's he's really he's really I'll just say this he he really helped out this situation. I'll put it that way. Uh, former uh, employee of John Curry. Tennessee's athletic director. What do you think those text messages look like? <laughs> GTFO. <laughs> GTFO, Curry. Back well, up. Back up. He, I, I like your, th- your, your theory about Gundy contacting Tennessee first is interesting. And, and I could, I could totally buy into that and see that. I, I, th- I wrote about this and I think that, I think that Gundy accomplished two things um, with this, you know, 12 hour saga. And, and the first is a, a bit of misdirection among the fan base because you go nine and three in a season in which you're favored in all 12 games. And then all of a sudden people are, are praising you because you came back 
to Oklahoma State. Well, you, you, you never, he never went anywhere. Like he, he, there, there was, there was not a thing that he was, you know, he didn't leave Oklahoma State, and yet all of a sudden he's kind of galvanized most fans around his return, quote unquote, to Oklahoma State, and it's like, that's that's crazy. Like that's a that's genius. First of all, I don't know if he meant to do that. But then the second thing, and, and this is what I mentioned uh, on Tuesday when we talked, is that you can walk into any living room now in Oklahoma or Texas or wherever you're recruiting and say, money doesn't mean anything to me. Being at Oklahoma State does. I'm going to be there forever. And everybody says that, right? Like every coach in, in America says that, but not every coach has the $42 million contract that they've said no to to stay where they're at. And... I don't know how meaningful that is. I probably am overstating it a little bit, but I do think that it's a legitimate thing that means something to to parents and and recruits. I mean, Kyle Boone talked to several recruits that Oklahoma State has coming in in 2018, and they were all the 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 reaction was nothing but positive. And so it's just kind of this weird one day thing that happened that generates a lot of goodwill um, by fans and recruits and everybody that's involved towards Mike Gundy and towards Oklahoma State. At what cost, though, locally in Stillwater? I mean, think about it from – that may help recruiting. I think I think rival recruiters could be like, look, this dude flirts with jobs every offseason. Yeah. What, what if a better job than Tennessee opens up and offers him $7 million? Then you, you might not have a coach. I think that, that could be negative recruiting. And – Remember all the talk from Gundy after Bedlam, how all these boosters and stuff were willing to give him stuff? I don't think they're going to be as willing to give it to, to a guy who pulls this this stunt every single offseason. I think he's really upset some people in Stillwater with this. I really do. So I, we can sit here and say, oh, this is great. He kept – no one's even talking about OU playing for a Big 12 tie. We're talking about Gundy and his haircut. Like, I get all that, but – this is this is only going to upset people in Stillwater, specifically his bosses, which yeah. I know he's you know probably had some long conversations with in the last forty eight hours. But I I hate it. I think it's I think it's a bit of a joke on his part. You lose three games at home. You flirted with Baylor last year. Baylor, come on. Like I don't know. So it's it it rubs me the wrong way. It should rub a lot of people in Stillwater the wrong way. But I mean, it's clear now that he's he's not going anywhere. I mean. I say that. What if Florida State calls? What if A and M calls? What if is Texas he do the same, yeah. song, gonna, same song and dance? I, I mean, was going to say the Texas A and M thing. I think is more compelling than the Florida State thing, because um, Texas A and M has. I mean, they're like kind of the 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 our country or our part of the country's version of Tennessee, right? Like they overstate how good they think they are as a program, and they have a hundred and ninety million dollar budget. That was they have the biggest budget in college, or they had the biggest budget in college athletics last year. Now. Part of that is inflated because they had a bunch of donations come in for their stadium, but they got a ton of money, and um, yeah, I don't know. Okay, uh, Carson, we need to get to our guest. We got a uh, we got a fun guest this week. It's time for the Coupel Works guest of the week. Coupel Works bring great tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the refreshing Horny Toad Blonde. For your next watch party tailgate or get together with friends, enjoy a cold Coupel Works. And please remember to drink responsibly. Carson, we are calling uh, kind of the, the person who was in the middle of all this breaking news. Um, Brett, Brett Bombs. Brett Bombs. Yeah, we got Woj Bombs. We got Brett Bombs. We're calling Brett McMurphy, uh, who is a uh, who attended Oklahoma State. So 
should be fun to talk to him about um, just everything that's been going on with Mike Gundy and, and Oklahoma State in general. Hello. Hey, Brett. Yeah. Hey, this is Kyle Porter and Carson Cunningham. What's up, Brett? Hey, hey guys. How you doing? We're good. We're good. How are you doing? Great, man. Well, uh, let's just go ahead and jump into this. Uh, you were you're pretty heavily involved in this this Mike Gundy to Tennessee thing. Just what what was it like, kind of kind of being in the middle of reporting everything, and and were you surprised by the eventual outcome? Um, well, basically the main thing, you know, like with anything else, the, my main objective was to be accurate with the information. There, when I, especially with coaching searches, there's always a lot of stuff flying around. Sometimes people are trying to get a narrative out on one side or the other. So the main thing I was just trying to do was report what I knew was was 100% factual information and get it out there when I knew it was accurate and uh, not take any chances and ultimately you know, feel, uh, you know, confident. Everything I had out there was, was accurate. Um, obviously Gundy, uh, decided to remain at Oklahoma state. I guess I was somewhat surprised that, that Mike would go that far to interview in person with Tennessee. I know that he had phone conversations with Florida. Um, you know, last year he talked to Baylor. He obviously talked to Tennessee a few years before. So the fact that he had just got a new contract in June, I was surprised that he would go through this process again. Not necessarily, it's one thing to take phone calls from potential schools, but to actually meet in person, that's taking it to another level. Um, you know, as I reported, he had a six year, um, $42 million offer and uh, decided to, to remain at Oklahoma State. So uh, maybe, uh, maybe ultimately he'll get something more out of Oklahoma state because of this. Um, but, but I was, uh, I was a little bit surprised that, that he would go this far with this if he had no intention of going to Tennessee and only, only Mike can answer how serious he was about, about potentially accepting the offer from the volunteers. Brett, how, how much have you heard just about why he would do this? I mean, this is the third time in the last five years. Do you think he's, having more struggles with Mike Holder? Is he trying to get Chad Weiber again as the AD? Just what, what have you heard as far as, like, what, what leverage does Gundy really need at this point? He has a lifetime contract. Yeah, uh, two lifetime contracts. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, and that's, that's the thing that I, I didn't understand or didn't have an answer for. I mean, maybe um, in, in the coming days or weeks or something, Oklahoma State will announce, you know, they've, they've, you know, added more to his contract or, or given him other things that, that he maybe wanted to, uh, to impact the program. But yeah, I mean, you're right. The, the only way you go through this, this whole song and dance and it, you know, it's going to get out is to, um, is to, is to go through this process. So maybe he got some additional things behind the scenes that he was trying to get that initially he didn't get in June. Um, but certainly, you know, when, when you tweet out, you know, cowboy for life, that basically says you're not going to do this, uh, do this anymore. So all we can do is take him for his word. I have no, no reason not to believe him, but when we get the next November, next December, if he's, <laughs> if he's taking calls or meeting with people about potential jobs, uh, you know, that's, that's, that tweet's not going to look good, um, about <laughs> cowboy for life. 
<laughs> Brett, we got a, a really interesting question from one of the writers on our site, and he was just curious about how you put you get a ton of information, as you were saying, from all kinds of people during coaching searches and, and during the things that are going on. What what determines like what is what is the determining factor for what you put out on social media or what you put on your, right now, uh, obviously your Facebook page or, or whatever? Well, basically, I mean, there's two ways to do it. One way is whenever somebody gives you a tip, then you report it. And when you do it that way, you're going to be like the weatherman. You're going to be wrong 50% of the time. And so what I do, and I, you know, and I appreciate you asking anytime I get asked this question, I would rather get beat on a hundred stories than be wrong on one. Because once you're wrong on a story, then I, in my mind, you have no credibility because everyone's going to then question, um, you know, is what you're reporting accurate or not? Um, you know, somebody reported yesterday that, that Tennessee was getting ready to announce Jeff Brom as coach for the volunteers. That was not accurate. Now I know the person that reported that he's a good reporter. I, I like him. I admire his work, but in my mind, again, I'm not going to report anything until I c can verify it with people I know that are involved in the process or would have knowledge of the decision. And a perfect example is, Last week, I had someone that, you know, that provides me information from time to time, and they were telling me that Chip Kelly to Florida was a done deal. And I said, okay, tell me how you know that. Okay, well, this guy is knows a guy that's a booster at Florida, and they, they know for sure, um, yada, yada, yada. Okay, so then I said, let me speak to the guy. I speak to the guy, and he's like, well – this guy who's the booster at the school, he's telling me this. I said, okay, give me, I want to talk to him. I want to hear it from him. Well, I don't know if I can get a hold of him. And I said, well, look, I trust you, but I'm not going to report that because you're getting it secondhand. And if I'm wrong, I'm not going to expose you and say, well, Joe Smith gave me bad info. If you're wrong, then I have egg on my face. So I couldn't get the, I couldn't get the board member on the phone. I, I tried to verify it through other other sources. And when I would try with people who would have information, they kept telling me that's not accurate. So I didn't report it. And I wasn't, I didn't report something inaccurately. So I think what a lot of people do is um, they take information at face value and they don't verify it. And they, I mean, there's no reason not to believe what people are telling you, but they may just have bad information. Um, perfect example, somebody, you know, I don't know when this will air, but somebody in the last uh, 30 minutes while we're taping this reported that, that Jimbo Fisher is not going to coach Saturday against Louisiana Monroe because apparently he's going to take the Texas A&M job. I reached out to somebody on Florida State staff. They said, we have not heard anything about that as far as we know Jimbo's coaching Saturday. Now, will it turn out Jimbo won't coach Saturday? We'll, we'll find out. Maybe when this airs, this will be old news. But all I'm saying is I couldn't verify that he's not going to coach, so I'm not going to report that. Um, and so I think too many people want to be first instead of being right, and I think that hurts everybody involved with journalism. So, again, going back to what I said earlier, you know, no one's going to remember if you got beat on a story, but they're going to remember if you're wrong. And it's kind of like the, the John Calipari um, you know, paraphrasing him here, 
But he said, nobody's going to remember our 30 wins. They're going to remember our one loss. And so that's kind of how I view it. And sometimes I get beat on stories that I had, but I just couldn't confirm. But again, over the, over the long run, it's, it's, it's a much better feeling to know when you have something locked in and you're right and you have it first, as opposed to being wrong. Um, because believe me, everyone will bring, bring up the, the wrong information you have as opposed to the, the number of times you were right. Brett, what, what type of job do you think OSU is? I think Kyle and I, we, we love talking about coaching searches and what potential coaches OSU could hire. Uh, I guess a two-parter, just how good of a job is OSU and who are some of the names you would think OSU would target should Gundy actually leave one day? You know, I think it's a... I think it's a, a good job. I do think, you know, if you're, if you're looking from 10,000 feet away, it's, it's at best only the third best job in the conference. I mean, Oklahoma and Texas without question have, are the bell cows of the league. And that's not taking anything away from Oklahoma state or the job Gundy has done there, but that's just the reality. Um, obviously Gundy has raised the profile of the university a great deal um, I mean, certainly it's a job in a power five league. So you're going to get dozens of people that would kill to have that job. You know, again, I don't know the thinking. I mean, I'm be honest. I don't know the thinking of the people that would make that hire. Would they want an Oklahoma state guy or would they want the be- who they think is the best possible coach out there? Um, if you want somebody that, that's had ties to the school, Larry Fedora comes to mind. Um, you know, Munkin, who's with the Bucks comes to mind, you know, there's a number of people like that. Do they want to limit it to people that have previously been at the university? I, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Um, you would get a lot of, a lot of good candidates. Um, you know, perfect example of, of, you know, is you look at um, what's going on at Tennessee, do they, you know, at this point, do they try to get somebody with ties to Tennessee or do they try to find who's the best coach out there? You know, Mississippi State stepped outside of their, their, um, you know, their coaching tree and, and got Joe Moorhead, a brilliant offensive coordinator at, at Penn State, who I think will be a great hire there. You know, would Oklahoma State kind of go along those lines? And again, looking at how Oklahoma State filled the, ba- the basketball opening, would they go a similar route that way? Or would they, you know, maybe do more of a national search considering it's football? Um, as opposed to uh, to basketball, I did see somebody uh, say that they should they should fill the football job with Doug Gottlieb because he's as qualified to be the football coach as he is the basketball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brad, do you, do, you, do you feel like there's currently do you feel like there's currently a a rift between Mike Holder and and Mike Gundy, and how much if so, how much of that played into everything that has kind of gone on this week? Um, I don't necessarily think there's a rift. Um, I think, you know, there's probably a lot of AD coach relationships that are great. And there's probably a lot that aren't great. Um, you know, uh, NC state, Dave Doran and Debbie, Yao, the AD there, they're not on the greatest of terms, but you know, they've managed to, to coincide together. Um, you know, as, as I'm saying that there's reports that Doran may be headed to Tennessee. So we'll see. Um, you know, I think, you know, um, I think, you know, it, Oklahoma state's a unique dynamic. You've also got, you know, uh, T and Pickens in that, uh, triangle, if you will. And it, it, again, it seems from afar 
that the Cold War between between Boone and Gundy had thought. Um, you know, Boone sent out the the handwritten tweet after the Bedlam game, which was, you know, I don't know if maybe that was a you know a peace offering to to Mike or or what that was, but the, I I thought that was that was kind of strange on, on a number of ways. Um, again, ultimately, I think if anybody like Gundy or anybody else at a Power Five school, if you're going to leave for another Power Five job, money is the least is I think the least relevant reason because you're going to be making money wherever you're at. So, I mean, this is going to sound ridiculous, but another one or two million dollars is not going to sway somebody to leave. You're going to leave because either you're not happy or you feel like you can accomplish something at your next school that you couldn't accomplish at your old school. This isn't. 10, 15 years ago where coaches would jump just for a paycheck. Um, so I think if Gundy ever did make a move, it would be more about money. It would be about other, other things that maybe he thought he couldn't accomplish at Oklahoma state that he could accomplish, uh, somewhere else. Brett, I'm naming you OSU athletic director. I asked you earlier about potential head coaching candidates. If you were the AD, who would you hire to replace Mike Gundy right now? Well, it's you can say who would you hire, and I think a better question is who can you get. Um, you know, so I think those are two different things, and I think that's what happens with a lot of these schools is that they can. Um, sorry, I apologize. I have to keep checking my phone. I never know. What's <laughs> I don't break. blame you. I don't blame you. Uh, so, you know, I think a lot of these schools get think you know. You know, Tennessee's a perfect example. Not necessarily their administration, but their fan base thinks they can get John Gruden and they get led down that path. John Gruden <laughs> is never going to coach in college. So you you got to forget that. Um, you know, so who would I get at Oklahoma State? I, I don't know off the top of my head. I mean, I would not limit it to people with only Oklahoma State ties because I think that's nothing against anybody that's been at Oklahoma State. But I think you want to get the best coach in there. And if the best coach that you can get is from Alaska, then you hire him. If the best coach you can get used to coach to Oklahoma state, then you get him. Um, so I would certainly cast a wide net and, and talk to as many people as possible. Uh, but I don't think there's a, I don't think there's an automatic, we need to hire this guy. If, uh, if Mike decided to leave Stillwater. I think we've each got one more uh, real quick, Brad, but uh, I guess my last one is just ultimately, why do you think Mike Gundy took this meeting in Dallas with the University of Tennessee? Uh, I think you've asked me this three times now. I have no, I have no <laughs> idea. Um, that's, that's the question I don't know. And that's the, that's the question that I've, that I've said on a number of, of, of interviews this week is that if you're Mike Gundy, if you had no intention of taking the Tennessee job, which we only Mike can answer that question, then why do you go through this whole dog and pony show? Maybe we find out he gets additional um, money for his contract. Maybe he'll get additional uh, money for his assistance or, uh, you know, build certain things he's trying to get done at Oklahoma state. Maybe those will come to fruition in the, in the coming weeks or months, or we'll hear about that. Um, if he didn't get any of those, things if he didn't get more money then i i i'll be flat out honest i have no clue why he interviewed for tennessee again i i understand you take calls you want to take calls i mean with you guys if you get a call from a potential employer you're going to listen you know sure you know you're never going to say <clears throat> never to anything 
but then to go to go far enough where you meet in person i mean that's a whole nother step you get a contract offer only only Mike can can answer those questions and maybe one day maybe one day he will um hopefully he's wearing a shirt and he's not hunting <laughs> rattlesnakes when he makes that answer um but i'll be i'll be honest i don't i don't know i'm not going to speculate on mike's behalf i honestly don't know maybe maybe one day uh, we'll have an answer to that but right now i sorry to sorry but i can't uh, provide the answer that's all right, Brett. As an Oklahoma State alum, uh, how proud are you of the 1945 National Championship? <laughs> you know, that was my freshman year at Oklahoma State. I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> and I'm just proud that I was part of a national championship team. I was a walk-on. I was a kicker. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't play much. So um, I don't think officially I made the media guide. But, um, you know, look, it's. I know people have made a lot of fun about, you know, the OU message boards, uh, you know, Photoshop you know, had they have fun with it or whatever, <laughs> but you know, Hey, it is, it is pretty cool. Um, you know, and the fact that, uh, you know, the, the football foundation or whatever, you know, wanted to name the champion and they, you know, it's, which people, people don't want to hear that, but they're the organization is the one that sought out nominees to win the championship. It's not like Oklahoma state, like Alabama does claims all these championships. So, the organization said, we're, we're trying to determine who won this championship, make your case. And so, yeah, that, that was pretty cool. So it was a memorable year for me. Um, <laughs> I actually went to class back then because Joe's <laughs> wasn't around. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of my national title ring. I'm still waiting to, to get it, though. <laughs> they, they, didn't, they didn't have the, uh, the badge back then, Carson. They only had the brand. That was the only, uh, the only logo yeah. that they wore back then. Um, Brett, and and uh, I want to correct one thing. We were Oklahoma A&M back then, okay? Yeah. We didn't know anything about Oklahoma State. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Brett, we really appreciate your time. We know it's uh, incredibly valuable, especially this time of year. And you've been doing, uh, obviously, a great job uh, reporting, uh, just kind of kind of on your own doing doing the reporting still and, and uh, enjoy that uh, that ESPN had to had to credit you on the bottom line for a lot of the reporting. I think we were uh, colleagues for like a, a couple of months back in the day when you were at CBS Sports. But um, yeah, just just appreciate your time and uh, and wish you the best the rest of uh, the rest of this holiday season. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, that was kind of that was kind of surreal for me because, you know, I'm I'm still under contract with ESPN through August, but I cannot work for them but i can basically work on my own which is through twitter and facebook so yeah so seeing them credit me on the bottom line i got my phone blew up and said did you see the bottom line so it's like <laughs> uh you know it, it, it was pretty cool but um you know my whole deal is uh you know just keep working and you know august comes up and i'm free to pursue other job offers and you know i can go to my future employer and say hey you know what I actually didn't have a job, but I was able to break these stories. So yeah, bring me on board, but appreciate you guys having me on and, uh, go pokes and, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, if, if Gundy's happy, he'll be a cowboy for life. If he's not happy, then, you know, hopefully he can move on and find, find somewhere where he, he can be happy. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Brett. Great job, Brett. Appreciate yep, anytime, it. Anytime guys. Thank you. Talk to you later. You know, I, somebody brought this up. I'm just glad uh, Gundy didn't tweet "Cowboy Forever." <laughs> Remember that song? That would have that would have been really bad. 
<laughs> what if he just started tweeting out lyrics one by one, like Prairie Wind, Touches you, the Mullet. You love the Prairie Wind line. That's your favorite line. Oh, it was. I was pretty irate <laughs> when that thing came out. I think I was a student back then. I can't remember. Uh, I loved Brett calling me out for asking him the same question like 10 times. Well, I was wondering where you like, come on, dude. He's already answered that. Yeah, I just I, I've got a lot going on. I've got too many things in my head and I, I wanted I wanted an answer. I wanted him to speculate. This is what we do. We speculate. <laughs> uh, I thought he speculated just fine. But um, really cool that he would come on the podcast. Really cool that an OSU alum is uh, breaking stories like that. I mean, yeah. I, I met Brett. I met Brett at the Fiesta Bowl actually back in 2011 when OSU was playing out there, and he and I were talking at one of the events. And I, I just asked him like, because that was at like the height of the conference realignment stuff, and he was at the forefront of that. He was breaking a lot of stuff on the realignment uh, stories, and I just asked him like, how do you, how do you do that? Like, th- there's so much like smoke that's not true. How do you decipher all that? So I thought you did a really good job breaking that down. On the podcast today with the coaching search stuff very similar uh answer and uh it was pretty cool that he's able to break that and his old employer had to credit him that was pretty awesome that, yeah i joke that he's affecting both of their of their bottom lines both on tv and the, <laughs> that's the, fantastic the getting paid but um yeah he he's great he's always been really kind to me i met him at the Cotton Bowl, Alabama, Michigan State, the semifinal back in 2015, and it's kind of a, a surreal moment. I was covering it for CBS, and I'm just sitting there on the field before the game, um, talking to talking to Brett, chatting chatting him up about Oklahoma State, talking to SVP about Les Miles stories, and just like, <laughs> and, and it was just like a he he is so he's like the nicest guy in the world. Brett is, I mean, both of them were, but but Brett especially, and I, I'm glad I'm glad he mentioned that at the end about. Uh, just kind of uh, breaking news on on Twitter and Facebook because I, I kind of wanted him to ask it, or I kind of wanted to ask him about just what it's like to it, it's it's a weird space for him to kind of be existing in, and he's done it well. I mean, he's been if not the best, one of the best at, at breaking these stories over the last few weeks. Um, so yeah, he he uh, he's been fantastic, and and I was really appreciative that he gave us so much of his time. Absolutely, we have questions from mailbag. We do. We need to talk unis uh, real quick before we get to the mailbag, though. Let's get to this week's uniform review brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. Be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Uh, I wanted to ask you, Carson, about the we – pro- we've probably talked about this before on here, but the, the uh, turquoise uniforms that the basketball team's been wearing, they've worn them three times in seven oh. games. Is that, is that overkill? Well, it's been pointed out to me that November is the uh, the month that recognizes the Native American, uh, the N7 movement, I guess, which is what those uniforms are all about. So maybe once we get through November, we won't see them. And, and look, it's it, as I've said before, it's just it's kind of like when they wear camo uniforms, like supporting the military. You're just you're just not allowed to critique them because they're for a good cause. I call them the Coastal Carolina Cowboys when they wore their <laughs> turquoise and people. I got like five tweets. It's for Native American culture. Stop it. I don't care. OSU should never wear turquoise on a basketball floor. <laughs> if they want to do it one time and in, in honor of that the, the Native Americans, I'm I'm cool with that. But to wear it, would you say five out of seven or whatever it's been? Yeah, three, I don't even know. Three, three out of seven. Three out of seven. This is like the uh <laughs> you, you sound like you're eighty, by the way. I mean 
I'm, but, I mean, I, but, I'm but, all for a good cause. Like once, like you're OSU. Why are you yeah, wearing turquoise more yeah, than this, twice? This is this is like your thing with the. Uh, with like anything that relates to like military uniforms, you're like I'm not against the I'm not against the military. I'm very pro military, but like I don't I just don't like need it in it my. It doesn't uniform. look it doesn't doesn't look good. No, yeah. I mean yeah. digital purple camo that K State wears just doesn't look good. Yeah, um, so. and I just I I don't like when schools wear wear black uniforms when black is not a school color. It's the same thing with this, and I I guess the recruits love them because every recruit I ever see for OSU basketball is wearing the turquoise uniform is it turquoise or teal what are we what are we calling it? i i don't i still don't know i don't know well how do you feel about it i like them i do what? like them but i don't need them three times why don't, why don't they wear magenta you know bright pink well the the, the hot, women hot do, the, the women do the cowgirls do how about they wear tie-dye to support woodstock <laughs> in the 70s remember remembrance my, of woodstock Let's my wear kids Tie-dye. My, my kids would love that. They're into like they're they uh, they're coloring rainbows. So my my daughter would be like, oh, the coastal Carolina Cowboys yeah. basketball teams wearing rainbow uniforms. Be great. And look, I know I know I can't say anything about it because they're for a good cause and they are. I I, I love all about. It. I think it's really cool that Lindy Waters uh, spoke about it. That's that, that's all good with me. But they don't need to be wearing turquoise more than they wear orange and black. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, okay, we got some we got some mailbag questions. Some pretty good stuff here. Uh, this one's from Matt Mortimer. He says, "What's your over under on how long Mike Holder remains the AD at Oklahoma State?" Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I think this will speed up the process. This latest dalliance with Mike Gundy in, in Tennessee. Uh, I would say within the year, as in. At this time next year, Weiberg's the AD. I agree. Yeah, I think it'll come next summer. I think, you think th- he'll last through the football season. Yeah. Uh, no, just through the, like the fiscal year, so July or June, yeah. whenever it ends. Um, at, by the way, you were right. I look back. Weiberg was brought on in May, and that's around the time that Gundy signed his contract. Absolutely, and and right before it got signed, kind of by both parties. So you were you were dead on on that. I was I, for some reason I was thinking it was later in the year, but it's a great, no, call, by, great I, call by I'm, you. The more I hear about Chad Weiberg, the more that um, he's saving the athletic department. I mean, just think about it, Kyle. What if you know they're lucky, Mike saving Gundy? The athletic department. They're lucky Mike Gundy is orange to the bone and cowboy for life and played played football there and went to school there because I think he would have underwooded this thing if he wasn't so tied to the university. I think he would have left for the very for similar reasons. I mean, he doesn't get what he wants. Apparently, Holder's hard to work for. Uh, could you imagine if under Holder's watch he had lost Underwood and Gundy? Could you imagine? Um, can you imagine if nine? Or like nine, yeah, nine months ago, I would have told you, nine months from now, Jawan Evans, Mason Rudolph, James Washington, Brad Underwood, and Mike Gundy will all be ejected. <laughs> uh, I could not. I'm glad that's not the case. That would have been. But to just let's just say that um, Chad Corleone is is pulling the strings, which you still haven't seen Godfather. Yeah, so I, I, I don't understand it at all, but I'm sure it's a great reference. It's. It's fantastic. Um, okay, 
do you think the fan this is a good question this is from eric williams he's he's been following for a long time he always asks good stuff do you do you think the most of the fan base has a different grading scale for the offense and defense in football some some uh, it seems like most are harsh on the offense if they don't score on every drive but praise the defense if they get a stop or two the entire game it's a good question haven't you been saying the same thing for three or four years now ever since your shits has been there don't you think I, I agree with that question? And I think you've been kind of hitting on that is that, you know, you always said that Spencer's overrated and your is underrated, not the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, just look at the look at the Bedlam game. Everyone's like, oh, the defense gave him the gave him the shot, gave, got him the turnover. They gave him up 62. Yeah. OU's not scoring 62 every week, guys. Yeah. Like, and they that's, scored like that's what's, they, that's what's frustrating. They scored o- over four points per drive. It was not good, but yeah, I think that, um, yeah, I think I think that's right. Now, I, I do I do think there's a sense of like you 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 should kind of grade on a on a curve in terms of the offense and defense within the Big Twelve. Just yeah, they're the, not in the Big Ten. I, just as the way that. the league is is structured. By the way, did you see that uh, thing on ESPN.com about how bad Big Ten offenses are? Did you ever read that? Well, I I printed it out and framed it, <laughs> put it on my wall. I look at it every morning, and just shake my head at the stupidity of, you know, the, the, just the narratives that are out there. Are you are you ready? Are you emotionally prepared for the Sunday leap of Ohio State from eight to four? <laughs> oh, I I don't. I think Wisconsin's going to beat them, so I don't think we have to worry about that. I want Wisconsin in because I want the Big Ten to get shut out three years in a row. You mean like they've already like- been. Were, on the scoreboard? On the scoreboard. They, they've been outscored 69 to nothing the last two playoffs. <laughs> Could you imagine if the Big 12 went to the playoff two straight years and didn't score a point? They would just call it the Power Four. They wouldn't even include the Big 12 on their show every week. They would By the way, like, yeah, they're, the, they're, the, they're over there with UCF. I, yeah, okay, I'm glad you brought that up. I have a bone to pick with the, with the playoff. I, I've, I've been beating this drum for like three years now. The, the fact that UCF plays the same sport as Alabama is ludicrous. It is the dumbest thing in in all of sports. You, you show uh, – I mean, think about this. You show up to August camp or July or whenever you show up to Central Florida's camp and Scott Frost is out there, you know, maybe he's teaching people the, the you know, the power option or I don't, I don't know what he's doing. And he gathers his team together, and they're all talking, and he says, guys, 100, all 125 of you, how many are out there, if we win all our games this year, we go undefeated, we win them all 40 to nothing, guess what? We can't win it all. We can't win a national championship. It, 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 it's the dumbest thing in the world. Make your, like, just leave the, the, the FBS. Don't, don't even be in the same sport as Alabama. It's it's so dumb. It, it infuriates me. I don't, I don't I don't understand why people don't talk about this more. Somebody said that's it why, the other day. But make your own play. That's why they got to go. That's why they got to go to eight teams because then there's no discussion. You win the conference championship, you're in. That's five, and then the other three are at large. I think I think UCF, if they go undefeated, deserves to be the eighth team. I don't I don't think it's fair that they get to play the, the schedule they do and go undefeated as opposed to what the Power Five schools are playing. That's a little silly, but I think on given years, uh, if you if you view a team as as capable of playing with those eight teams, I, I I'm all for it. I, I think they got to go to eight. And I thought Mike Leach uh, hit it pretty well. He's like, "What does the NFL do? Oh yeah, they have a playoff. What does Division three do? Oh yeah, they have a playoff. Division two, 
every level of football is a playoff uh, more than four teams except for uh, Division One. So it's just – and the fact that we have five power conferences and four spots was just set up for nonsense, was it not? It's crazy. Yeah, it, it's it's absurd. I, I'm sorry that that's my that's my rant for today. Um, okay, we got a couple more questions, but we need to hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986, and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise, and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head to toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, I am on Tiger duty, so I have to eject uh, momentarily, but... um... Okay, here's a question from Brian Metcalf. Why haven't we heard of Mike Yurcich linked to any coaching jobs? Also, why isn't less miles being tossed around at these openings? Uh, less flamed out at LSU. He's old. He's in his mid-60s. Um, I think people look at the job he did at LSU and look at all the talent he had and uh, the fact he didn't win enough with the, being, despite being one of the more talented teams in the country. What could he do with less talent, I think, is what people – People view there, and I think just let's look at Mike Yurcich from an outsider looking in, as Gundy would say. Uh, Mike Gundy hires him from Shippensburg. What level is that again? Is that D2? What level is the Shippensburg? I think it's three. Uh, D3? <laughs> yeah, they, okay, he's from D3 Shippensburg State. He comes in and takes over the OSU offense. I think most people on the outside would say, well, Mike Gundy's running the offense. Let's look at the coordinators that have been hired as head coaches. Uh, it's clear that it's, it's Mike, not the coordinators, right? Uh, you just look at his experience. Is he ready to go from Shippensburg State to an assistant OC or to an uh, OC position to a head coach of my school? I would have doubts, wouldn't you? It's Division Two, so no, I'd be all I'd be all for it. <laughs> no, I. I, I don't know. I, I think that it, it was interesting because we heard his name a lot last year. It was Tulane. It was. Wasn't it like Auburn and Alabama? I don't know. It, it was like not, He's trying not to as, leverage Holder. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Trying to leverage Gundy. He, he, here's maybe, a question. Maybe Gundy was maybe Gundy was trying to get him another job. I don't know. Who knows? Over or under? Um, like, uh, well, I won't give you an over or under. Who of Glenn Spencer and Mike Yersich returns next year, and who is who is gone for whatever reason? Oh, I would say Glenn's gone. I would say Yersich is back. Uh, I think back to Bill Young. Remember, he was fired after the bowl game. I know Glenn's out recruiting right now. I think it's it's kind of shady how coaches do this. They'll they'll wait till everyone's signed before they make coaching changes. But that's kind of the norm in the in the profession. Yeah. Uh, I I think Gundy was, you know, Kyle Boone's been talking about it all year that he thinks Glenn will be gone. Uh, I, I wasn't on that train earlier in the season, but. I just don't know how, after five years, you say, well, we're making progress. I think they're they're regressing on that side of the ball. And Gundy's shown before he's not afraid to make a move. So I, if I had to guess, uh, I would probably say Glenn's gone. Uh, I, want, I want Munkin back. 
You're not I don't getting him back. Well, I don't care what he does. Have him sp- coach special teams. I don't care. I just want him back in Stillwater. Well, you would need Tampa to clear house that to happen, which may happen. Yeah, they can't do anything with your boy Jameis. Yeah, and he, I, don't, I think he gets to call less plays than Mike Yersich <laughs> at Tampa. I want that Arroyo uh, Todd Munkin combo back in Stillwater. Uh, well, good luck getting Arroyo. Although, yeah, you know, I know. Willie Taggart know. is the head coach at Oregon. He's going to be the next coach at Florida State. I know. Does he bring him with him? Does does Arroyo skydive out of the plane to Tallahassee and just land inside Boone Pickens Stadium like you see those parachute dudes do? Can you imagine? Can you imagine Arroyo at Florida State? He would murder oh, there. Oh my gosh! He, he yeah, you're you're probably you don't even care. You're you're he would crush there. The yeah, guy the I guys mean, he would get out of Florida. I mean, I've already like mentally moved on from Jimbo to Willie Taggart and his staff. <laughs> so I'm I'm all for it. Okay, Carson, I got to go. You got to go watch Tiger. I got to go cover Tiger. Big cat. And, um, uh, one more question from the from the viewers. What was he shoot today? Uh, the over-under is 71 and a half. I think he shoots a 70. It's Tiger. It's an easy course. 69. <laughs> it's Bedlam. I'll believe it when I see it. The whole deal. Dude, he's pain-free. <laughs> Swagger, swagger's back. His spine is fused together. It's not good. I am, I am positively giddy. You should see real, some of these group texts I'm in. They're so happy he's back. Real quick, speaking of golf, I played with our boy Matt Million yesterday. Uh, we're tied going to the last hole, 18. Uh, he was. Uh, we were both, I think, 81 strokes through seven through 17 holes. I hit it in the water, and then I get up and down from like – 170 yards and he chips in from 40 yards away for birdie to beat me. It was, it, <laughs> it was unbelievable. And then, and then the best part is he did the, the speech from the open. He just threw his club down and said, pick that up on your way back to the cart. <laughs> <laughs> Go get that. Yeah, he did. He said, pick my clubs up. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, awesome. fantastic. Shades yeah. of Bob Tway chipping in to beat, uh, Greg Norman. Yeah, it was it was so great. It was so good. So uh, you you both would would dust me. I would be. Uh, <clears throat> oh, I would be. Who's who's a terrible Ryder Cup player? I'd be uh, Jim Furyk in this. Uh, <laughs> I'd be Steve Stricker. I would be just. I haven't touched a club in a while. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay, thanks again to Brett McMurphy for coming on. Uh, apologies again for asking him the same thing. Uh, three different times, but he was fantastic, and yeah, kind of put a uh, kind of put a little bit of a bow on the week in terms of the Gundy news. So he was uh, he was awesome. Carson, you have a good weekend. Are you going to Big Twelve title? I'll be in Dallas. Okay, enjoy. Yeah, it. You going? No, I got Tiger. CBS I'm, credential you? I'm on Tiger Tiger Beat. Okay, so, Tiger Beat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Well, may the may the birdies be plentiful for Big Cat, and we'll talk next week. Absolutely. We'll talk to you then. Yep. Yeah.